Slash Dupe New Year's Eve special. Hello and welcome to Slash Dupe, the movie pitching podcast with a twist. With me, I have Dan and Ryan. How are you doing, Dan and Ryan? Good, thanks. Yeah, doing all right. I've got a smile because I just realised the movie pitching podcast with a twist. And the twist is we don't do a main episode for half a year. (laughs) The twist is we've just been on specials. Yeah. And if people are still with us now, don't worry. They're going to they're going to enjoy this one. You you wait. Um, You you just wait until 2022. Um, So, I mean, listen, I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be brisk. I have written a lot. I mean, instead, I'm going to say that 2021 fucked everybody over again. And that's why we've got loads of special episodes. And we're really grateful for anyone who's still listening and and pen and sharing and and liking and 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 following. Because well, we actually we actually had you know like uh because we put our podcast out on Spotify. We had we got given the wrapped the Spotify wrapped for our podcast. We got a slash dupe wrapped, which is nice. Mm-hmm. We've seen our viewer base grow uh, over the year, which is obviously very comforting for us to sort of know that we're reaching more people. The other thing I wanted to know, sorry, Sean, to cut over your no, intro, go ahead. but I just, this has been a burning question in my mind. I've not been able to get off, right? We've got stats for our listeners all over the world. And we've got listeners in Brazil and in a few places in America as well. So like, please, if you're one of these people that doesn't interact, but you are listening to this, just, can you just like, put a message on our socials, right? Slash dupe. Just Google at slash dupe. You yeah, can find us idea. on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just be like, yeah, we'd love to hey, reach out. I'm your, I'm your listener from Brazil. I just, I'm just interested. Do you know I'm what it is? It's somebody from there. like America or the UK who's, who's doing it while they're watching porn and they've just got their VPN on and it's, and it's rooting them around via it Brazil. It could be, it could That's be a VPN That's my or vote. it could be an actual person. You know, if, if it is a VPN, let us know. If you're, if you're yeah. Let's let know, us know so we, I can listen to it. Via China, so we can get some Chinese. Yeah, so that we can start yeah, being sponsored by a VPN, because every other yeah, fuck is absolutely. sponsored by a VPN, aren't they? And um, Harry's. Actually, we'll need to get sponsored by Harry's, don't we? Because that's when you know you've well, we made can't, it. Listen, you can't say their name. You're giving them free real estate now. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Harry's, the uh, our friend down the road, Harry's. Oh, mate, does yeah. the ice cream. Not a brand. Yeah, <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> ice cream, Harry. Um, yeah, well, listen, you can tell. It's the end of the year. This is the New Year special, as you all know, because of the day that it's uh, coming out. Um I'm reminded of the adage. I was looking to where for where this came from, and I'm not sure where. But the sort of the the, I'm going to paraphrase: everywhere you go, there you are. So we're going to take the idea of reflecting at the end of 2020, and we're all going, "Hey, do you know what? Don't worry. 2020 was shit, wasn't it? COVID was shit. Hey, it's fine because 2021 is going to be amazing. It's going to be it's going to be great." Oh, we're going to be able to go out. We're going to be able to see people, hug people. Remember that? Um, go and do other fun things. Go to the cinema, for Christ's sake. We're going to be able to do stuff. And So uh, what you're saying is we're doing a special on not getting your hopes up for 22. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to take, we're taking uh, films, film franchises uh, that, for better or worse, have been revisited by their original creators so more of that will become apparent as we go and then at the end of the episode we have a little slash dupe twist to them so just to sort of spark off your mind before we get going guys there's things like casino royale so if you think about that martin campbell directed we'll talk about it. he directed goldeneye the re the pierce brosnan reboot mm. of bond and then he did the daniel craig reboot after several mm. daniel craig for uh, uh, pierce brosnan films you know that shall not be named um, we had uh, Ridley Scott came back for Prometheus and Alien Covenant after 
David Fincher after James Cameron, um, etc. had touched the franchise. Paul W.S. Anderson. those Hovis adverts. <laughs> he did those Hovis <laughs> adverts, didn't he? Um, and, uh, and I suppose very sort of tellingly, uh, and you can go back and listen to a Sean Solo special uh, where I talk about uh, The Matrix, um, Reloaded Revolutions, in my ex- personal experiences with it on the lead up to Resurrections. Make sure Resurrections is being revisited uh, by one of the original directors after several sort of, um, you know, the media of it, the games, the comics, everything, it sort of has come back home. Uh, so, so yeah, so I don't know, I don't know if you guys have any sort of burning examples. What, what, uh, what can we talk about first? What can we give to the audience as a, as a sort of reminder? Okay, this is an example of either a very, very good film to for a director to come back to their franchise or, or a writer or to come back to their franchise and it to be it be amazing or absolute dog shit i'd say one of the ones that we've seen in our time has been the revisiting of the star wars uh the i can't remember the name of them the the, the thingy saga lightsaber saga or whatever it's like the skywalker the, saga yeah, is it is that what the or they're just called the saga films, aren't they? Like one to nine or something like that. Isn't that just that their name is? I think the I revisiting think all not, of those. one to nine is the Skywalker saga. That's okay, what, that's cool. what they're calling them. Yeah. So I know that Lucas, you know, hasn't been directing the newer ones, and I, I did he do one, two, and three? He didn't even do two and three. He just did. I just believe he did one. He just directed yeah. a New Hope. So, but I'm sure he's got you know. Uh, an ankle in there somewhere. Well, this is what, so. This, what, what, what they call if he's got an ankle in there, it's what they they call the reverse Achilles. <laughs> if he's just got an ankle in rather than his whole body, he's got. Um, that's worse, isn't it? To have the whole to have the whole ankle in. Is that what you're saying? Just, no, no, he's just, just the ankle. You know. Oh, I see. Just it's just getting just the Achilles, Achilles dipped thing. in the anti Achilles, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, he he might have been the Achilles heel of his own franchise, um, uh, Lucas. But it's, this is interesting about Star Wars, right? So. Lucas uh, wrote and directed the first one. Um, then Lawrence Kasdan came on as a writer for Empire Strikes Back. I believe he also did Return of the Jedi. And then, absent in that period of time, George Lucas came back, one, two, and three. We all remember those, Duel of the mm-hmm. Fates, etc. George Lucas came back for those. And then when they did Force Awakens, they brought Lawrence Kasdan back for Force so Awakens. So that's interesting. I, yeah. did, I didn't know that. And so... and. A lot of people I ask when, you know, the question of what's your favorite Star Wars film, everyone always says Empire. Yeah. So I find it interesting. Did Kaz, Kaz, uh, Kazdan do... Uh, Kazdan did loads of shit. Like, I think he's still interred in the whole sort of Star Wars uh, sort of thing now under Disney. Yeah. Film, did he do right? Last Jedi and, you know, the Sith may or may have not returned or whatever the last one was No, called. so what's fascinating about... <laughs> yeah, what's fascinating about whatever Nine was called... And The Last Jedi is The Last Jedi was written and directed, I believe, although I'm not 100% on A New Hope, um, I believe it was the first in the series that was written and directed by the same person. So it's the writer-director, okay. Ryan Johnson, right, of Brick and Brothers Bloom. And oh, Luke yes, of fame. course. So he did so, The Last Jedi. So Kazdan was off for that one, interestingly enough. So that's interesting, because I, I really liked uh, episode seven. Um, I really liked it. When I first saw it, it was nice. And... At the time, I was listening to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts um, and, you know, him being um, one of the a, a big 
sort of a, a fan of geekdom and a sort of a herald of geekdom, if you will. Uh, and also being in that film as well as the lightsaber trooper or whatever it was, the the one with the, the swirly oh, sticks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I thought it was really amazing. And there was a lot of people saying that actually it, it meant that three generations of the same family got to go to the Star Wars films of being able to see them respectively you know grandfathers seeing them and then getting to take their kids to see one two and three and now they the kids are taking the grandchildren and the grandfather to sort of see it so you know three generations have been able to enjoy these sort of films and i find it funny that the ones that people have enjoyed the most have probably been written um by Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Force Awakens is an interesting film. I mean, actually, weirdly, if you look at uh, 7, 8, and 9, they're incredibly divisive, aren't they? All three of them in various different ways. And, like, you cannot find someone who sort of, like, can appreciate all three. Like, they're very, very, yeah. very different films, all three of them. Oh, I'm What's... here. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm being educated the whole way through here. Um, but I think I enjoyed them. I enjoyed all three of them mm-hmm. because I just enjoyed the fun of them. Mm-hmm. There were yeah. people had a massive expectation on the Star Wars movies, which was lovely because it's three generations worth, like you said, Ryan, of of mm-hmm. expectation. But when the first people watched it, they were seven, mm-hmm. and when they took their kids to watch it, they were seven, and then they were like fifty-seven and thirty-seven, and getting sad that a seven-year-old's movie. <laughs> didn't didn't have contain the, the a depth children's and... movie about space wizards exactly yeah you know oh no she can breathe out in the in space they're they're throwing around lightsabers <laughs> yeah. he, he chokes he force chokes him and like shoots lightning out of his hand we're okay do you know yeah. what I mean like it's yeah. okay he drinks green uh, milk excellent do you know like <laughs> it, it's I'm, okay I'm sure at some point there's 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 a real interesting discussion to have about fandom right and expectation mm. and if something sits in your mind and, and something is so important to you the nostalgia of something as well you know how much of that do you own and how much of that are you sort of how much are you sort of do people want to be taken along the on the ride that you're given or how much do they want something that they're they've been expecting yeah. well see i think this know? feeds into today's episode in that when a director returns to their own franchise the expectation is that the people that originally loved it will come back to it and yeah. experience the same wonder and awe that they had the first time they watched a film they'd never seen before in a franchise they'd never experienced before, sometimes by a director they've never experienced yeah. before, and then had X amount of years to grow that in their heart and their mind and create their own wonderful canon and their own, their own headspace for, for something that is so adored and loved. And for their director, who has also grown as a person, to try and recapture a magic, the pressure yeah. is enormous yeah. mm. and will never, never meet everyone's expectation ever. No. So, so before we move on to a perfect example of, of, of uh, that working to an extent, uh, let's, let's talk very briefly while we're still on Star Wars about how that completely collapsed. You're yeah. right. So... Abrams, funnily, because while we're still on Star Wars, J.J. Abrams did Force Awakens after his yep. Star Trek reboot. Um, arguably uh, successful. Well, no, it, it, inarguably successful. Arguably uh, a good movie. I really like the Star Trek um, Yeah, so do reboot. I. As, and as someone movie. who understood the Star Wars but never fell in love with it, um, 
you know, I understood all of the quotes and jokes and Star Trek, you mean? You were Star Trek, was yeah. A Trek, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Don't want to get those mixed up. Lose, <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Instantly oh, lose it. loads. We've of lost our Brazilian follower now. <laughs> yeah. One Brazilian follower. They've gone now. Um, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I, I love the Star Trek reboot because I, you know, I know about the stuff, but I don't follow it. So when those things come up, I was like, oh, I get that reference, and it was good. Uh, maybe yeah. you know that's how sort of Dan felt about the the Star Wars films as well. Yeah, I mean, well, I just enjoyed them. Like, I didn't go in with the expectations of years of what I wanted my Star Wars movie to be, I think. You know, if you're going to go to yeah. see someone else's film, then it's, you know, you can you can have a feeling about it, but it's not your film, is it? It's, it's Listen, someone well, else's that's film. An interesting, that's an interesting conversation about sort of films as art, right? And sort of, and, and then art itself, you know, when does it become mm. someone else's? And Because mm. films are made, obviously, under so many different conditions, uh, not not least of all the industry, the movie has to make money. But at the same time, I think directors, most directors take on most projects because they feel like they have something to say. So then it comes mm-hmm. out of a place yeah. of theirs, right? Um, I'm not sure that J.J. Abrams had anything to say when he made Star Trek 2009, but it did what it had to do. So it got, I think, like, in the same way that you're saying, Dan, about sort of going with no expectations, I didn't know anything about Star Trek before I watched the reboot. Yeah, and what it did is, for me, it actually got me into the franchise. And mm-hmm. I worked backwards and I went... Yeah. You know, Deep Space Nine, and I went back, and I went back to Next Generation, and then I went back to the original series, Voyager, and Enterprise, and I sort of went through the whole lot. So, I know, I imagine the, things, the Star Wars movies did the same for this generation. Yeah, I think you're probably right, and in the same way that, so I, I don't think we can be too upset with Seven, Eight, and Nine in many ways because if I look at One, Two, and Three, the first Star Wars films I saw, um, I loved them at the time. You know, the, the sh- it wore off the the magic wore off over time, but it got me into the into four, five, and six, the mm-hmm. superior films. So I think, yeah, I think it's it's perfectly adequate for these films to to hit on something different for everybody. And for me, I really like it when a film goes, "Hey, you you may have liked it, you may not have liked it, but guess what? There's six more of these, right? Yeah. You go back and you can watch six more of them." Um, and so, so an example of where. Um, oh, listen, let's quickly wrap up Abrams. He, he went away for Last Jedi. He fucking came back for uh, Force Awakens. Uh, for, um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, stand, stand back, gents. Let me handle it. <laughs> and what a shit show that turned out to be. And that, so that's really interesting how we can sort of hit gold with Force Awakens because arguably, whether you liked it or not, it, was a, it is a quintessential reboot and it's sort of very emblematic of like how you reboot things in, in this day and age. Um and was successful at rebooting the franchise. Um, and Nine was very, very sort of systematically tore it down and not only just finalised the Skywalker saga, but has has sort of ruined the idea of Star Wars for a lot of people. So that's the same guy doing both. A director for hire, arguably. A very good director for hire, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, as a director, he's very good. Um, producing sort of two polar opposites which is kind of interesting. A success story, I think, in, in the vein of what you're talking about, Dan, would be uh, the Alien franchise. So Ridley Scott, um, no one had seen anything um, like Alien before. There, something that felt like a sort of 
blockbuster movie, but w- with the sort of plot and the leanings of a B movie, but like had the real had real sort of presence. You know, Ridley Scott imbued it with that sort of with his real vision that he had at the time, um, and it was really sort of you know if you think about it, it's just a B movie horror, but there was so many things worked um, in that movie that it's you know quite rightly a classic. And then James Cameron came along, absolutely slayed with Aliens. Um, you know, it turned it into an action movie, a sci-fi op- operatic epic military thing, which is really, again, he was really into that sort of stuff. But you don't see that outside of sci-fi novels. You didn't really see that the real military sci-fi sort of shooter, if you like, that Aliens was is really sort of um, shaped the video games as well, even afterwards. Um, then you had Alien 3, uh, David Fincher, which if you watch the assembly cut is a really incredible sort of... Um, religious epic so there's lots of religious imagery it feels like you're watching like an uh, you know a bergman film or you're watching tarkovsky it feels really grand and the studios just cut it to shit and he you know took his name off the project and it's just it's a really fascinating it has a fascinating story behind it anyway which in many ways is is a perfectly fine reason for a film to exist um and then you had alien resurrections which is just an absolute piss take um, and you had Jean-Pierre Genet, you know, bring Ripley back from the dead as a clone and Alien versus Predator movies. Let's not talk about them. Um, and then against all odds, Ridley Scott, the guy who created Alien, came back for Prometheus, a direct prequel to Alien at the time. Um, and it's a film that I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it did reboot the Alien franchise for a time. Mm-hmm. And it was critically acclaimed. Um, I'm not sure it's going to stand the test of time, though, in the same way that Alien Run did. Run sideways. That's all I can say. <laughs> Run sideways. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I think it was, it was uh, a love story for those who had previously experienced the Alien franchise. Interesting. But I don't know how many people that would have watched it without previous knowledge would have been interested enough to go back and watch the alien franchise and i think in as we go through time alien definitely will will continue but i don't think prometheus will be people's um gateway Mm. to it i think you can see that with the follow-up with alien being called alien covenant right so i think you can see exactly that dan you know really Mm. is that like he he couldn't it you know, the, the idea of calling it Prometheus 2 would not have brought people into the cinema. Mm. And so the only way to get them to see when Ridley Scott then did a sequel to Prometheus to call it Alien Covenant, to go back to the world and to try and tie it all together. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. That was the only way to sort of um, to try and bring people in. But I don't know, man. And it was nice because it set up. It set up the idea of the xenomorphs being weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Which I thought was quite interesting. Mm. And how they ended up they, you know, they were sort of bred to be to be sent down as the ultimate weapon and just annihilate and adapt. And then that leaves itself to to mean that when we saw other iterations in Alien Two, in Alien Three, how they looked different because they adapted to their planet that they were on or wherever they were. So, you know, it was it was like really smartly done you know you could tell Ridley Scott came back into that going like I, if I want to put the ribbon through all of these franchises what can I do how can I do it um and but and it's still it you know I don't think anything can can hold on to what 
uh, Alien 1 had in terms of its tenseness and its horror, mm. because I think of the high, because it felt so industrial, um, you, you know, being on a mining ship, that it, you know, you, you can't really do that with the high gloss that they went to with the beautiful ships and the stuff. Mm. You know, the worst thing we had was the zombie person coming out of the smoke, I think, <laughs> and the running sideways, as Dan said. Um, it's the, it's the age old problem of doing a prequel and then the technology being better than it was in the mm. in the film the first film you mm. saw, and and I also also I think when you do that you you lose the sort of um, uh, you lose the peril it, or you, not just the peril the film becomes something different. So when they become a science vessel looking for the cradle of civilization, the cradle of life, it's fundamentally it stops becoming as you said this industrial sort of thing um ridley scott you know what's interesting about um you know directors uh revisiting their material is that he, he i guess a lot of the time they're eager to do something new and mm. so ridley was eager to you know with alien covenant he was eager to shift it away from aliens and shift it more into artificial intelligence because he believes that to be the future of the franchise and the future of of something interesting in film he is ironically sick of the xenomorph that he you know first sort of brought to screen got old penisy geiger to draw up for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you lose that though don't you you know and you lose the weirdness as well you know when when franchises tend to uh scrape away the weirdness and in, in pursuit of of more of a 12a um which brings me to uh the matrix resurrections it's interesting I, I'm, I sincerely hope that the film is weird. You know, when I've talked, I talked at length, obviously, about The Matrix in the last episode, but if you think about it as a film that came out when it did, it was supremely weird. Everything about it was weird um, in a really good way. Reloaded and Revolutions were weird in a difficult way. I, I think, as I you said, it was weird. the mixing of Chinese martial arts and BDSM clubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of weird stuff. Your, that, your like... Venn diagram, Sean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sean's perfect Venn diagram. <laughs> like people like beating each other up, but in really, really constricting costumes, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, and nothing but scorpion kick. <laughs> yeah, just scorpion <laughs> kicks everywhere. Um, scorpion kick at the door. That's, that's how you get in. You have to prove that you can scorpion kick. Um, right. Yeah, Matrix Directions. So... I'm I'm fascinated by uh I, I talked about it a lot, but I am very, very excited about a first of all, I'm very, very excited that it's not I'm gonna check this because I think it was Zach Penn. In fact, I don't even need to check it. it Obviously, when Penn. this is out, you'll have watched it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, we're recording this shortly before um going to see the Matrix. I've booked an IMAX ticket, so um we may even have a an episode out discussing the matrix by now or maybe it'll come out later um but yeah so if you've listened to that episode let us know what you think about what we've talked about and also how and if you haven't from what we've just been where sean's like i'm really looking sean's forward to this to and then he's actually like it was a pile of <laughs> smash cut and, and if you haven't listened to it like do do a machete cut of yeah. of slash dupe stop this episode right now go back and listen to it and then come back into this episode. Yeah. Spoilers. Neo's in it. So <laughs> just, you know. Um, Keanu. I'm, I just... Okay, here's, here's what I didn't say necessarily in the last episode, is, uh, in, in this solo episode, is that um, when a director revisits something, in this case, they're revisiting 
two characters that they've said that they have loved, um, two characters that they wanted, they needed to see in their lives again. You know, mm. so that's the art aspect of of film. It's it's the fact that they created these characters with the actors and they feel a connection to them. So they need to go back and find that connection. So then how does that, how does that connection, that really sort of fundamental human thing, that, that sort of empathy, that magic, that emotion, how does that then blossom into 140 minutes of, you know, ass kicking blockbuster? So that will be interesting to me. So even if it's a shit show, I'm interested in that, you know, yeah, how the, the human aspect comes out of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to something that you love. Yeah. I mean, and it strikes me very much as like dating an ex, doesn't it? This whole this whole prospect. <laughs> it does Go it. On. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like in the time apart from them, you grow a whole a whole narrative, don't you? About mm-hmm. not only your past relationship, but what's happening in between, and you build a an expectation of that person, and then when you go out with them again. There's all that baggage from before, even though mm-hmm. within the time frame you've both changed, both had mm-hmm. a pre and, and the expectations or the character caricaturing of each other that you've done in that time. Mm-hmm. So that when you date again, I mean, there's also also the expectation of the cool stuff, right? Which may or may not happen, which can affect what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it feels very much like going out on a date with your ex again after yeah. five, six years. And you sort of don't know if yet if it they're could fully be single. Are they yeah. just going out for a drink, or are they actually single? What happened to their last partner? You know, what if they what what do they what have they learned since you last met them? What, how have and they? You what fondly have they go back and remember the things. And oh, do you remember that joke that we had? Yeah, yeah, there's a that bit one. Of nostalgia, or, but there's also a bit of or is it the <laughs> other end of the scale, which is quite often where the fans come from, which is their expectations of what it was and. Or how much they you know disliked certain things that have ended up coming back the mm. the foibles of that person coming back again and which may ex- entirely happen with the Matrix yeah. Resurrections you know it may be some of the the the, the lesser favoured parts of Reloaded and Revolutions that come back mm-hmm. um, in this film um, yeah that's because a, that's you never an know what someone loves yeah. about something that's the yeah. thing right yeah yeah exactly it's true yeah it is interesting I wonder how that applies to the Fast and the Furious franchise, Dan. (laughs) That feels like (laughs) Tinder redates, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, so Justin Lin, who came in on the third one, he came in on Tokyo Drift, didn't he? Um, And he absolutely... Which is my favourite, I think. Yeah, well, it obviously did a good thing. It reignited the franchise. Um, And then he did Fast and Furious, which brought back the original cast. And then he was kept on till... Six, he did six, right? Fast and Furious six, Rio Heist, or whatever it's called. I have no idea. Um, and then he left. We had who did we have after Justin Lin? He went off to do Star Trek Beyond, actually, to bring it back around to our Abrams chat. Mm. So he came on to do the third Star Trek film. Um, we had F. Gary Gray came in for F9, no, F. F7, hold on, or F8. Wait. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So he did up. No, wait. He did up to seven, right? Uh, Justin Lin. (laughs) We had F. Gary Gray, who who cracked on with eight, and then we had James Wan, who did nine. Right. It's James Wan of Saw fame, etc. I'm sure he did. He did a bunch of horror films, didn't he? So he came on and did nine, and then ten, the the you know one that was supposed to be like 
you know, amazing and wonderful and like brought everyone back family and whatnot. That was Justin Lin yet again. So how, Dan, how does that work in, in terms of your analogy? Well, it's like having six, seven years of dating someone and then they have three partners in between. And you come back to show him who's king. Is that what, yeah, it, is that right. what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that, that basically is it, yeah. I think, it's, yeah, you're right. It's sort of like, there's obviously, you never read it so they good. need a break, don't they? <laughs> need a couple of years break. And in that time, you have a couple of like, you know, good times. Yeah. And then you think, shit, this isn't working. I, need to, I need to go back. I need to get it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Justin Lin brought it back. And Can I mean, confirm I've never done that in life, but <laughs> I, can, I can imagine for some people that's important. And do you know what? I think like while, while we're on this, so the idea of this sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm not massively certain that any of those films are bet, better or worse than any of the rest of them. I think there's 10 of them. They're all basically the same. Um, oh, we've just lost our followers in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but wait, we'll get them back with this. Um, the Resident Evil franchise is something um, that's really interesting because right now it's just been rebooted, right? Johannes Roberts has rebooted right. it using the storyline from the first and second games. Are you trying to claim that they're better films than the Fast and Furious films? Is that where, is that where we're going oh, with this? If you, like, I guess if you're rooting around in a trash bin, in a bin yeah. looking for food, like you'd want a half-eaten banana rather than maybe a half-eaten kebab. Or, oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, at this point, moldy kebab, moldy kebab. Okay. So I think Resident Evil is the, mold, the moldy kebabs, kebab. right? <laughs> oh, I'm, I think the Fast and Furious franchise is the banana. Is, is the banana in this oh, scenario? Okay. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a half eaten yeah, banana, yeah. and it's not even gone brown yet. So right. it's, fresh, it's fresh, freshly thrown away, but it so you, has yeah. been thrown into probably a probably by bin. some coming out the gym as well. You know, so yeah. like at least so probably probably you by the rock coming out the gym. Some some. Some testosterone, some, <laughs> yeah. some math some testosterone, <laughs> yeah, some um, roids, yeah. So, so in this scenario, Fast and Furious, I can't believe I just I can't believe you put me in a scenario where I have to say Fast and Furious is better than anything, but it's better than the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, I'm, I, glad, I will, I'm glad we've confirmed that. There's a, there's a lot of things that I will say Fast and Furious is better than. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Let's let's not punch down yeah, on the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, no, the Resident Evil franchise is, is absolute dreck. Dog um, shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's po- it's poison. No, that's too strong. Um, no, they're only is. films, though. It's a virus. <laughs> it's a virus. Um, so they just rebooted it, and they've taken the idea of the second and third games, and they've uh, sorry, the first and second games, and they fused it together. Um, and it's getting mixed reviews, but like sort of interesting reviews anyway. At least there's something to it where people are going, oh, you know, takes a bit of this, takes a bit of that, kind of cool, kind of fun. Um, but when we flash back to the nightmare that was the Resident Evil series. We had Paul W.S. Anderson do the first one, and then he left the franchise. He left. He left it up to Alexander wise. Witt. <laughs> yeah, wise. Mm. Um, he left to Alexander Witt did uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse, which weirdly I quite enjoyed. I mean, it's absolute dog shit, but it sort of feels like it was trying to do the third game justice. Um, had Nemesis in it and stuff like that, right? The third one had the director of Highlander came on to do it, um so, so interesting choices mm. and then the third one was very much like a sort of uh post-apocalyptic sort of almost like a mad max style film which was kind of cool because at the time when it came out we hadn't seen a mad max style film for a while um and then paul ws w. anderson came back to the franchise and he decided to do the fourth one resident evil i don't know what do you think the subtitle is somebody give me a made up one what is it i don't know, even know what it's going to be called 
Resident Evil. Outbreak Zero. Outbreak Zero, yeah. Umbrella's broken. <laughs> Umbrella is broken. Um, yeah, so he came back to the franchise and um, made, like, fucking, like, seven. I don't know... I mean, I don't know what you guys think of that franchise, and I don't know what you think about somebody returning, but what he did is he absolutely fucking made it a ridiculous film where people like, you know... I think he actually. I think he was trying to ape the Matrix. I'm not sure the the, the timeline of it. It might have been shortly after Reloaded Revolutions. I can't remember. Um, but he really tried to make this kind of like epic superhero franchise out of it, effectively. Mm. Um, which the first film that he made even really wasn't. It was still a B movie, uh, sort of z- zombie sci fi, even if it wasn't a particularly good one. Um, so that's probably an example of a director doing a. Um, a job of really trying to distinguish their work, but in doing so, making something um, completely worthless to to everybody. Oh, interesting. The guy who made uh, Resident Evil made those 47 meters down films, the ones about the gi- giant sharks. Oh, really? So that's probably why he got, that's definitely why he got oh, he's, Resident Evil. He's like a sort of, it was a little bit like Paul W.S. Anderson at the time. Like it was, he's a little bit of like a sort of indie golden boy. You know, you, like, you make those horror films for like 40 grand and then they make a couple of million and percentage wise, the return's really good, you know? So, so yeah, Johannes Roberts is, um, is, is that sort of guy. But Oh, I'm, so 47 Meters Down was the highest grossing independent film of 2017. There you go. Boom. So when they said to that guy, hey, what do you want to do? He was like, I want to take Resident Evil out of the hands of Paul W.S. Anderson, please. I'm going to make his... something of it. I'm going to do something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't. But, you know, like, that's the... He the, tried. The inte- Bless yeah. him. And that's, Bless him, he tried. That's the thing about all these directors, right? And so we rag on stuff and we like to sort yeah. of, you know, been a bit, na- bit more nasty about Fast and Furious than I even I liked. <laughs> um but but yeah, I think these directors they really try, don't they? They and that's now the let's thing. now let's like, like let's let's put a side by side from that um, with with JJ Abrahams and what he's done, what he's effectively done with Star Wars and Star Trek, right? Bringing it full circle again, where I think he has created these films that are love letters to fandom, and they've tried to do that with Resident Evil because it was it went bad, it went sour, you know, as we described it. 10 moldy kebabs mm-hmm. right we had 10 moldy babs and then so he's I tried for to... a banana i just kill for that <laughs> banana yeah and he tried to he tried to make it he tried to put the banana chilies yep. in with the kebab and that just made it degrade <laughs> faster yeah it's it's not i mean yeah it's it's an example of uh, uh but they're, then they're they're billion dollar that's a billion dollar franchise i'm pretty mm. sure so yeah, you know, and is, who are and we? Should they be love letters? Yes. That, is that is that what we're saying? That when you come back to a franchise, if we're continuing the dating analogy, that is that what we're doing? We we're going back as a love letter to the relationship we've had previously. But it's not. Or are we starting something new? I just I think it's you. You have the touchstones. Of see, what yes. made the original things great, what made our relationship you, great. Let's hold on to those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. The little, you know, the nods and the little things um, that made it great. One of 
one of the last things I'd like to bring up, um, not the last thing, but one of the last things uh, before we move into the next segment is actually folds directly into that. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Now, mm-hmm. I know it wasn't the same director, but it was produced by Ridley Scott and he did have a hand in it, even though he very wisely allowed the franchise to be carried by uh, sort of the, his equivalents now, the Denis Villeneuve, you know, sort of best, one of the best living directors. Um, he sort of gave them free reign, but he gave it his blessing and he was a part of it. So Hampton Fancher, one of the writers on, by the way, probably the, one of the weirdest and coolest names of anyone ever, Hampton Fancher. What is that? Ooh. It sounds like a character had from a, Dungeons and Dragons. I had a, a university professor called Quinton Langley. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Hampton Fancher, he wrote Blade Runner and then he was brought on to write Blade Runner 2049 and some other mm. writers took on board both projects. You know, there was the other, there was another writer on, um, Blade Runner and an, uh, a couple of other writers on 2049. But I think that when you're talking about like a, a love letter and where it, it takes sort of tonal inspiration, it takes some things from the original and then expands on others. I think you could not find a better example uh, in terms of a sequel than Blade Runner 2049. I think that probably f- fits perfectly in the, in the love letter category, for better and worse, you know, critically in the box office would say both. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can sort of see how another director has tried to make a love letter to an original product and then, you know, improve upon it in many ways am i the only one here who's seen blade runner 2049 i think so yeah you are <laughs> oh, okay i was waiting for your input and i was met with a deathly silence yeah um, I we just, we, you were making such amazing points we just thought you'd let you, you know. all right well if it's just going to be me then i'll i'll, I'll give you a little bit more <laughs> talk about the matrix again <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding well I'm kidding, you I'm can't kidding. get something that sort of shares you know sort of shakes hands with um with uh, apart from battlestar galactica i think the matrix shakes hands very much with um uh, blade runner uh mm. i think w- what's interesting about 2049 is it takes it's really a story about the characters from the first film right. and it uses the main characters of the second film as proxies almost and almost intentional ironic proxies to tell the story the continued story of the first film so it's almost like a stealth so they're using the sort of moniker and the vision and the idea of ryan gosling to sell the story of Deckard and the story of you know of Mm. harrison ford's Deckard. Uh, so it's very much like a, a complete sequel to blade runner um whilst being a being uh, appealing to like and it may be people who i don't know it's almost like a stealth film it gets you in the cinema because you like ryan gosling and you stay for the you know the sort of the, the blade runner continuation it's like a, it's it's a real love letter in, in every sense um and i'm very interested to see whether resurrections does the same thing whether it sort of gets you into the cinema with all of its bombast and when you're there it sort of gives you that i mean i just saw the um the game trailer clip uh, the Game Awards uh, clip where they talk about nostalgia being the tool that they're using to try and awaken some sort of part of Neo. And I think, okay, well, you know, they're not hiding it, at least, they're not mm-hmm. subtle. But I think it's interesting to make a, you know, to these films, they come with baggage of expectation. And as I did talk about in the previous episode, they come with multiple sort of um, 
zones, erogenous zones they've got to hit, right? They've got to hit a bit of the nostalgia, but they've also got to surprise you. You've got to, you know, sort of enjoy what they've done with the existing characters. They've got to bring in new characters that you also mm-hmm. enjoy. They, yeah. They've got to evolve what you've seen, but in a way that doesn't feel like it's out of the world of the film. So, yeah, I'm, so when these directors come in and they they bring something new to the table. Like, for example, I'm going to gloss over this very briefly, but with John McTiernan, he did Die Hard, and he did Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, both excellent films. Die Hard excellent 2 is films. fucking awful. I hate Die Hard 2. Um, okay. But Die Hard and Die Hard with a Vengeance, absolutely excellent films, aren't they? And very, very different. and But of the same quality level and feeling, I would argue, feeling within the same universe. Whereas Die Hard 2, for some reason, to me, didn't feel like it was in the same universe. It felt like a sort of cosplay Die Hard. Um, <laughs> you know, like Die Hard... Light. Die Hard Light, yeah. Die, like the like a video game version of Die Hard. Yeah, definitely a video game Die Hard, for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so, but, so that's, that's just another light example of a director doing sort of excellent work, but in, in two very different ways, but the same, in the same world. So I think a really good example of all the things you said, hitting the erogenous zones, but slightly being different uh, for me was George Miller and Mad Max. (laughs) Both. 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 George Miller. Call me back, please. Um, George Miller and Mad Max. Now, I had only seen Mad Max 1 after watching Saw because someone told me about the the scene, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. scene at the end with with, the... handcuffs or he handcuffs handcuffs into the car and sort of says that you need to you know you you'll these are like titanium cuffs you can either cut your cut your leg off and survive or blow up with the car and i was like what they stole that from something and Mm -hmm. so i only sort of watched that afterwards and what i really loved about the 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 mad max fury road was that it took all of the things that people loved about the original mad max franchise um, the the big ass car, the broody character, but then also everyone loves Welcome to the Thunderdome, <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. Um, and so they made it, you know, he made it in this like post apocalyptic world, yeah. which everyone really loved. So I think it, I think, but then and he got a brilliant actor in, you know, um, like Tom Hardy played Max fantastically. Well, he, I mean, yeah, what's right about that is he said quite rightly, it's not Max's film. It's it's another stealth film. Yeah, Mad yeah. Max sells it. Tom Hardy sells it and you come in and it's Furiosa's story. So Mad Mad Max, George Miller has done a thing where he's given uh, the marketing people, he's given the the fans, he's given the the reason for people to turn up to the cinema, but actually he's given you a better experience. And then just, and gave you a bunch of, you know, and then gave you like seven hot women, um, you know, floundering around in flappy dresses and you know literally i can't hear it like i just hear the reference witness me so much <laughs> now when people do stuff which i thought was like but and you know we talked very briefly about this about D, but you know he built effectively like a religious world around the cars but didn't have to explain it to us we got it through the actions like them chroming themselves to yeah. sort of ascend mm-hmm. to valhalla as their sort I, of crazy like last move it's and, an incredible screenplay it really is and yeah. like or in, it's an incredible piece of work and its efficiency, Ab- absolutely. Um, but so he revisited his own franchise. Nobody else came in between. By the way, there's an excellent yeah. Mad Max video game that's well worth playing. Um, 
by Avalanche Games. That's, that's a really fa- if you like the Mad Max world, it's a fan- absolutely fantastic open world game. Um, but apart from that, there, George Miller came back to his world several uh, years afterwards, um, and I think there's, that's always different as well. So that's different to sort of other people playing in your playground and then you coming in, you know, playing in your sandpit in this instance. Um, I always think it's something different when a director steps away as franchise rests and then they come back. So another uh, example would be Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm, I know you were chatting about before we came on. Um, George Lucas also. So as Spielberg said, which, by the way, I think he was grasping him up, he goes, um, uh, this is a Lucas film. When everyone was like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull sucks, he was like, this is is Lucas's film. I'm just directing George Lucas's film. You know, it's George Lucas's script. This is his baby. I'm just doing him a solid. You know, yeah, I know what he was trying to say was, look, this is my mate's film and I'm just making it for him. Right. This is how he wanted it to be. You know, I'm honoring him. Uh, uh, no, uh, it's Lucas's film. <laughs> yeah, but that's how, it came, that's how it came across. Yeah. The guy who ruined Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is an interesting, it's an interesting choice. Um, a film that I think weirdly no one will care about fairly shortly. They'll go, oh, it's fine. You know, they'll, they won't, I don't think they'll have the vitriol they had for it. That's the same sort of thing we we're talking about earlier on with Star Wars, this sort of fandom of, of all those films that came out in the 80s. Um, uh, because I guess films in those days really were, they were really sort of shaping culture and shaping people's thoughts and their lives and they felt connected. And, Is and it the so, last film before Shia LaBeouf went cuckoo pants? Possibly. Um, possibly, but I, I, we don't endorse the use of the word cuckoo pants, by the way. Um, he, I don't know, but I, all right, I have a soft spot for that movie. I don't, I don't think. I don't, no, 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 absolutely. I, so do I. Like, I really, I really loved it. If you are knowledgeable about 1950s B-movie sci-fi, like shitty sort of like, you know, the space, you know, flying saucers and stuff like that and, you know, that sort of nonsense. I, I think can Kingdom of the, the Crystal Skulls are really... Can you do the Close Encounters noise, Sean? What, the just... Well, we'll probably get sued, The noise we? the ships makes, don't they? Oh, I, d- I don't think I can. I don't think I can. Close Encounters was... I, 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 I escaped like the Dan, nostalgia Dan might Close Encounters. Suppose it's possible. No, I didn't. You're right, I didn't. You didn't give it a good enough go, Dan. That, that's I the thing. <laughs> Either do it or don't do it, man. Shit will get you know? off the pot. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Um, well, listen, the last thing I want to talk about, I think, in this, I don't know if you guys got some more, but I just wanted to brush briefly onto Lord of the Rings because that is a franchise where the Lord of the Rings films, Peter Jackson, he made the first three, and then after several years came back to make made three the films out of one book. Hmm. Um, yeah. And it, the making of of those films is better than the actual films. And it's fascinating about how it, he was, because somebody else, so Guillermo del Toro was supposed to make it. There was all sorts of behind the scenes sort of nonsense. And then he picked up very shortly before production and was in pre-production and production at the same time and production and post-production at the same time on three movies. So he was really playing catch up and he was able to play around with new technologies. And to him, he said, basically, um, it was going to be me that directed it or it's going to be some you know, some, some person of ill repute, somebody had no control over. So no, you know, some, it could have been anyone that could have directed it when Del Toro fell through, or it could have been Peter Jackson. He was like, I'll do it. And you can really see him. I think it was the, it's been the first and only film I've seen. We watched it in, 
It's the first time uh, it looked strange, seconds, didn't it? Did it looked it like yeah, we watched. Yeah, yeah, we watched the high frame rate version. Yeah, yeah, the high frame rate version. I don't know if I've seen a film that is specified as that as a thing, or whether whether that's just, just Gemini Man. Standard I went now. to see Gemini Man in 120 frames a second. I think. I mean, the, the whole debate about frames per second again—that's probably another episode. Um, uh, but that will change with the generation of mm. 120 mm-hmm. f- refresh rates on monitors, right? The generation of people that have monitors and don't bother—they watch stuff on it and don't bother. You know these things don't really pick up cinema very well. They just they just throw it out in a high frame rate. I don't think people will be too bothered about it eventually. I think it's only um, what you're used to with all these technologies is you know. I mean, I don't want to. Te- yeah. Technology has to evolve. Cinema has to evolve. Otherwise, it's just going to yeah. be a black and white train coming towards <laughs> us in this in this. And we oh no, it's a real train. You know that's that was cinema, right? Cinema was looking yeah, through 3D a little box in, on you know on a yeah. on the ground, and somebody turned a crank, and it looked like and it was st- like a Zoe trope. Yeah, yeah, exactly, all that sort of stuff. So. You know, yeah. I I think it's just pe- so, pe- what people are used if to. Peter I think Jackson had made the Hobbit I'd, first. I liked it to be, and made it a three film thing. Yeah. How long do you think the Lord of the Rings trilogy would have been? Hmm. Like, would he <laughs> in length? If it had been the other way around, so he filmed the Hobbit. Maybe it was a maybe it was two films rather than three. And he filmed it in the times that he filmed Lord of the Rings with the new technology that was going there anyway with, um, was it Weta, that were doing all the amazing sort of Christ stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. and all their If he then stuff, had yeah. all the tricks that he had in The Hobbit for Lord of the Rings, what, would have ha- what do you reckon would have happened there? Well, they would have made it immediately afterwards, yeah. definitely. Right, I reckon. Um, they would have set it up like that. I think the, the cell that worked for Lord of the Rings... It was it came at the right time. There were a few epics mm-hmm. around that time because it, it was shortly after Gladiator, right? So it was probably sold in many ways off the back of like the epic film resurgence. And also, what worked about Lord of the Rings was it was a, yeah. it was it's, a, it's essentially a war film, right? They're all they're three war films, or they're building towards you know just a war film, and it's just a war film told in a in a different world. And Jackson is he's sort of a World War II aficionado. Yeah. And he's a horror. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings is quite a, a horror. The book is quite horrific. He's a horror fan. So it was the right project for him. Whereas mm. The Hobbit arguably is mm-hmm. a better project for Guillermo del Toro. Brevity, or someone who, and, who likes fairy tale things. Yeah. and Yes, brevity. Yeah. 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 And light. Exa- exactly. So yeah. Peter Jackson couldn't have made The Hobbit any other way. He had to make it like Lord of the Rings as, as is his mm. way. But it was the wrong material for him, I think, ultimately. Um, but that said, I would prefer them to be as they are now than to have been handled by a director like, I don't know, the guy who did like Jurassic Ooh, World ball. or whatever. Yeah, but not even that. Like a good, bland director, like, you know, someone who did, you know what I mean? Like there's loads of good, bland directors and I'd much rather it be Peter Jackson that fails than someone come out of the mire. If it had been done in the last few years, it'd been J.J. Abrams anyway, me. wouldn't it? So... <laughs> yeah that's true it's very true yeah so i'm weirdly grateful for it coming out the way that it is and i think there are moments in a third of each of those Edgar films Wright cut together doing the you Hobbit. have an excellent film i just think that'd be great that's my pitch is that your pitch you saying it's... 
Oh, this is an interesting seg- uh, impromptu segment. No, listen, Who would have like, been a better uh, director Wright. for The Hobbit? Um, yeah. All right. Smashed I'll give it. you that. About All right, we've well, ended this segment next. pretty fast. What about, um, Gorv- <laughs> what about Gorva Brinsky? <laughs> he doesn't say a lot, folks, but when he, say, when he does... <laughs> What about what about Gorvinsky's uh, great? He would have also been. What great, about yeah. Hideo Kojima's Whoa. turn to turn to film instead of video game? <laughs> well, he's That'd too fucked up. He's Hobbit, too, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's too um, in love with the sort of Santa. Del Toro voice, would have been great in a, though, in, a, in a way that works for Metal Gear Solid. And right? to be fair, so Del, much Del so he put Guillermo del Toro in his game. Yeah, you're right. But Edgar Wright, he he would have made it sort of fresh. Uh, feeling fresh, mm-hmm. feeling young, yeah. and he's good with ensembles, and he's good with journey films, right? He's good at taking characters on an arc and a journey. So I can totally see that, and sort of adding yeah, his especially style to especially the especially for the Hobbit, which awesome. is I'd, I'd t- far I'm more totally like. Well, I mean, even set from the beginning, it's, it's a yeah, heist yeah. movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a heist movie, and it's silly. You know, it's a silly book. It's, well, it's very much kids. like it feels it's like a sort of kids. light Terry Pratchett is how I sort of regard it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, Michael one, Pena oh. as Bilbo. <laughs> That's a, no, I would love that as well, though. Michael Pena's Bilbo, that'd be awesome. Let's come on. Look, I mean, we, I love those films, and I'm not going to detract from them. But we all know that there need, needed to be more ethnic diversity. Of course, in the, you know, in the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films, right? You had so many dwarves, yeah. right? Any, so many dwarves. You could have done all something interesting with them. Any of them? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. But yeah, d- yeah. Okay, I'm up for that. Yeah. Or or yeah. Bowen Yang, he's the guy from SNL, right? He's wicked. He needs to be a he needs to be a dwarf, right? That guy's dying. <laughs> Just Google him. He's dying to be a dwarf. Um, yeah, it could have been almost like instead of making it the weird sort of special effects makeup that sort mm. of visual no yeah special effects makeup that he's done, you could have had almost like an SNL cast of dwarves and then allowed them you know people who loved the books who were able yeah. to improvise, but then it feel within the world, you know, and you would have had something really special. Instead of the writers breaking their back yeah. to make three movies under, under duress, you would have had people being able to sort of, yeah, this sort of, you know, in the same way that things like Ghostbusters were made, things like these mm-hmm. sort of original films came out of SNL, you sort of fill it yeah. with a cast of Clever interesting yeah. young sort of improv actors. <laughs> So we come to the last there's uh, more. part of the episode and yeah, there's me, I know. <laughs> Depressingly, it feels like a long time for us, but this will yeah, be like a 15 minute episode. You're right? going to have loved this. When we, we had a great when time. we actually cut it. <laughs> um, yeah, we've definitely we been a little bit off the chain today, so haven't we? Ever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hope you're bringing in the new year well with all your resolutions and whatnot. Oh, we should have done something about resolutions. We really. also... That'd have been good, wouldn't mm. it? Now you talked about matrix resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> matrix <laughs> resolutions. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have we'll a new year. Well, our new year, because inevitably that will be a special as well. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I th- maybe we can do this and okay. release it so that at the very end of the episode we count down to the new year. We could do, couldn't we? Mm. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> Ryan's to... got to edit this one, so he's like, he's wetting <laughs> no, himself. I've got to edit this one. Shit. <laughs> No, do you know have to think of the how long time. it is right. yeah, put no. it out beforehand? No, yeah. no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I've got it. I've got it. I'll edit it. And then when I get the time, I'll just subtract that from the countdown to midnight. That's exactly what And then do, put yeah, that so, so, to yeah. load, only load out. Only do it. Only do it if when we say like 10, we go like 10, 
Fast and Furious movies. Nine, and then we name no, things. No, because we never that, planned any of that. Well, we, ha- we? we have to improvise. <laughs> we have to, nine Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street movies. I don't know if there are nine, I'm just guessing. Eight <laughs> Halloween movies. Seven. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, this is what I'm going to do now. Um, we're going to look at we nine Star Wars movies. We literally talked about it. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to look at the... Uh, we're going to look at 2021's box office. So, of course, we're uh, excluding uh, the films that are, have, at time of recording have yet to come out. Spider-Man um, Homecoming. Nope. Spider-Man <laughs> Far From Homecoming. Um, Spider-Man number three. No Way Home. Again. No Way Home. Yeah, thanks. Um, I've got a ticket to see it and everything, and I can't remember what it's called. Um, we're gonna so that Matrix Re- uh, Re- Revolutions, Revolutions, Resurrections. Because you said resolutions, <laughs> Matrix. Right. It's a good Matrix thing that this is resolutions. a New Year's one, and I know none of us are drunk, but it feels that we are. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. So <laughs> the I'm going to take the 2021 worldwide box office, and I'm going to take. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, you're not gonna hear F9. Oh, by the way, this is a brief retraction for anyone who's really into the Fast and Furious franchise and is pedantic. There's been nine so far. I was wrong. There has not been mm. ten. There's been nine. So you can backdate some of my information. Oh wait, but what about Hobbs and Shaw? Yes, there is. There is ten if you include Hobbs and Shaw, I suppose. But yeah, some pedants will be annoyed about the numbers. So I'm gonna take No Time to Die Out. Uh, which is number three in the worldwide. We're going to take F9, the Fast Saga. That's a pompous name, isn't it? Um, we're going to take Venom, Let There Be Carnage Out, Godzilla v. Kong, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Dune, Black Widow, Free Guy. Man, there were, there, there were a lot of good films that came out. Jungle Cruise. I watched that the other night. That was good. Um, was it actually? Yeah, it's all right. It's sort all right, of... Yeah, enough. it's all right. It's all right. It's better how than many spiders? the fourth and On the scale of one to ten, how many spiders? I, mm, I honestly don't think there are any spiders in it. All right, fair enough, I'm in. Yeah, no spiders in it. Lots of snakes. Uh, so instead... Lots of rocks. <laughs> lots of rocks. We're going to take the 2021 Worldwide Box Office and I'm going to throw the titles at these two that I've never heard of. So I'm going to show my complete uh, Western arrogance and I'm going to just name the films I've never heard of. Some of them could even be like sort of... Because I, I imagine some of them... So some of them are Korean, some of them are Chinese, some of them are from, you know, countries other than you know, English-speaking countries, and mm-hmm. I am just going to name them. Oh, some of them I just don't know what they are. I've never heard of them. So, for example, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I, I get what The Conjuring is, but I have no intention of seeing that film. So I may pluck ones like that as well. So I'm just going to pluck the ones that none of us have heard of, basically. Um, and we're going to quick fire some slash troops at them. So we're going to look back at 2021, um, the year that shall not be named, and we're going to go for... Hi, mum. That's the first one. Hi, comma, mum. M-O-M in the American style, if that makes any difference to you. Drug using uh, mum. Drug using, drug so- using mum. soccer mum. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. Uh, no, no, and, drugs, she's, so. and she's, and she's, and she's, uh, yeah, but I think she's cool though, isn't it? She's not, it's not like a depressing story. It's like an American pie type thing, isn't it? Yeah, she like she's the, she's the hot single mum that that smokes a load of yeah, pot. Yeah, but she's trying to fuck all of. So it's like a a, a sort of American Pie, mm-hmm. but for just the mum. Just it's oh, from, maybe it's from, all the hot mums, right? Yeah. They've all like recently been divorced or widowed, and it's an American Pie style. Film and they get round the and they 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 create their own cannabis plant, and they start <laughs> they, like they, they that's create... their way in to sell it to like the fraternities. Oh, and get in yeah. there with oh, the youngsters. They, no. They're not divorcees, right? 
they're not. They've just got lazy husbands and they, or maybe the other way around, they've got husbands that are too overactive. Right. So that they make a weed strain that chills the husbands out. <laughs> I just love the idea of a load of mums doing like doing the sort of film that you would have seen in American Pie. Although, yeah. to be fair, that's bridesmaids, isn't it? But, um, but yeah. Uh, okay. There's some, there's something in that. But we I'm we happy. did it. That's the pitch. I'm happy to work on that. Yeah. Next one. Um, Detective Chinatown Three. Detective Chinatown Three. So the third of the Detective no, Chinatown no, series. No, no suffix. Oh no! It's just Detective Chinatown okay. Three. Uh, okay, so it's set uh, in Chinatown, or is Chinatown its own entity? Oh no, like, he's you know, called like a, like a Chinatown. Called Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, that's he, got to he's be isn't called it? Detective Chinatown working <laughs> <Yeah>. in Russia. <laughs> Detective John <Yeah>. Chinatown. <laughs> Detective John Chinatown. Yes. Okay. Right. Played by John Favreau. Yeah. Yes, he's a good role for a detective, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, de- detective. Yeah. Uh, de- and he works. Maybe he works in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Chinatown in Harlem. This is three. Okay. He's got. He's got because the first well, his one. His name's Chinatown. So how can he also work in Chinatown? That's too, well, in that's number too many one, coincidences. In number one, he did. <gasps> okay, but now yeah, he's gone to Harlem or Queens. And yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. to he's got to do some detecting. Maybe like the joke in the first two is that his name's Chinatown, but he's not anything to do with Chinatown. Yeah. And then in the third one, he actually has to go to a Love Chinatown. It. Right? Well, Chinatown I was gonna Chinatown. I was gonna say I want to add a suffix to Chinatowning, <laughs> and it, he has to go to every Chinatown in the world. There are murders there like are around murders, every Chinatown. Kind of, in it's the, the same murder triad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love That's it good. in every Chinatown in the world. Good old Favs. And yeah. All right, that's a good one. Uh, let us do. Oh, there's some. Cliff, okay, Cliff Walkers. Cliff Walkers is nice. That's Horror. Nice... Okay. Okay. Um, and it's about the supposed suicides in cliffs. Turns mm-hmm. out there's actually like ghouls that that can walk up the side of cliffs and drag people down to their deaths. They yeah, that's hear bad, and isn't it? they hear people's sorrow and sadness. And they feed on mm. it and chuck them to their de- deaths. Yeah, that's good. Do we... uh, I'm not even going to. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I even going to. I don't want to talk about that one anymore. <laughs> I'm sad. Um, yeah. I'm sad. I, have, I, have to go, I have to go to sleep soon. <laughs> Happy don't New Year. <laughs> um, man, I mean, let's not do this, but you know there's a sequel to Boss Baby, by the way. I, yes. had, I had no oh. idea. Listen, um, I watched Boss Baby with my little one and he really enjoyed it. So. No, that's okay though because he's a kid. Yeah, he's allowed to enjoy stuff like that. So he'll did probably you enjoy watch it? The one. Well, I enjoy it if he enjoys it because I enjoy oh, watching his joy. Do you know what I mean? That's the, that's the right answer, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, right, uh, Detective Conan, the Scarlet Bullet. And we've got two detectives. This is I just, two detectives. I just couldn't resist Detective Conan. Right. So I this, suppose, this is yeah. the true story behind Sherlock Holmes is that Arthur Conan Doyle was actually a detective as well. <gasps> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Do you think that's why it's actually called Detective Conan? I hope, well, if I've got it right, I'm brilliant, right? And the yeah. Scarlet Bullet is the, the case that he then ends up writing. And so what we do is we see it through the eyes of Sherlock Holmes. He shows how Sherlock Holmes would have solved the thing, but it's actually him. So it turns out that all of Sherlock Holmes' books are actually um, self-reported. That would actually be really interesting. 
Wouldn't it be interesting then, to see a film about Arthur? Like, I mean, the to- they did a Tolkien film that wasn't very good, but wouldn't it be interesting to see an Arthur Conan Doyle film where yeah. he he is inert, unable to, as a writer, unable to uncover this mystery. So instead he writes the solution to the mystery in, as yeah. a Sherlock Holmes novel or something, you yeah. know, like the how art can help you overcome, like, a sort of impotence of a kind, you know? Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Um, oh, there's some interesting choices here. Ron's gone wrong. Ron the person. Ron's gone wrong. Ron has gone wrong. Uh, someone. It's a body swap. It's a body swap comedy with. Uh, yeah, Gary two, Gary uh, Oldman and um a deep faked Alan Rickman. Interesting. Oh, as the bud, as the comedy duo, as the comedy as that the, like, body the swapped. Couple. Okay. And no one really yeah. quite knows that they swapped anyway, because they could also be the same. Except there's little bits that are just different about them. I mean, to be fair, didn't you literally pitch a film like this in Slash Street where two people look exactly the same and they go live separate lives? Oh, probably. It wasn't me that pitched it. It was pitched. <laughs> no, no, I mean Dan. Did I, do that? Uh, it was, I think it was. I think it was one of Dan's ones. Yeah. Oh, that was. I think it might have been Dan's idea for crisscross. That was. That was, maybe, that was, that was Chris's idea. Chris. Yeah. My idea for crisscross was literally about crisscross. So. Oh, about crisscross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was no original. I'm. Um, uh, maybe runs. 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 Gone wrong. I've got to say it like that. Oh, it's maybe it's about a it's okay, mischievous it's kid. Oh well. Oh, sorry. Say that again, Ryan. A maybe it's about a mischievous it's, kid. Mischievous kid. It's a animated dog. It's an animated movie. dog in an American family. That's what's happened. Nice. And Ron's gone wrong because of something. Some yeah. food. A a yeah. small a tiny alien has gone into his Someone head. Heard. That's it. And is making the dog do stuff. Do silly things. Right. Mm. Yeah. And he's because he's got some sort of alien agenda of some kind. Right. But he's Love really it. tiny. Yeah. Someone didn't put the finger in the dog's bum to calm it down. Is that, that's hope. not a thing. I, I, <laughs> Don't do well, it. I heard that's a thing. It's <laughs> who told you that was a thing? <laughs> you got hazed. Doesn't my it like if a dog attacks you? If like a, if you get attacked by a Listen, dog, or no, something, if a dog attacks me, I'm not trying comedy, to jam bro. my finger up. I'm just gonna Steve okay, Irwin from Blubbin, um <laughs> South Park. I'm just gonna shove my thumb up its asshole to really piss it yeah, off. It is. It's from South Park, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I heard you that. You heard something South from South Park and you thought it was real life and now that's Well, that's, that is uh, that is how information travels to kids in it. Dangerous stuff that. <laughs> I was getting ready to shove a finger up a Doberman's butt and I, <laughs> you know, was caught sneaking on the premises, but All right, so I'll just tear its head off instead. We're halfway through the list. Um Break Through the Darkness. It's a nice sort of it's interesting, isn't it, that one? It's not immediately obvious what that one could be. Break through is the darkness. Is breakthrough one word? No, it's two separate words. It's not breakthrough, comma the darkness. No, but it could be. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. It could it? be, couldn't it? So it could be about the band, the, the darkness. The darkness. Is that what you're yeah. About? Oh, it could. Be, yeah, it could be. Yeah, As like a whole sort of break through is through the Japan, series of right? or something yeah. like that. They'll try and break through another country. Or it's, uh, or it's a collapsed mining story. Uh, yeah, the, oh, the story yeah. of the Chilean miners. Mm. Yeah, and the water's rising, and they have to get there. Which is soundtracked by the darkness. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, of course it is. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hear that? Maybe like it's a, a biopic about the Chilean miners and the darkness breaking through in Japan, and the the sort of the, the similarities between the two. So them mm. hearing the Starting darkness the on the radio yeah. above when they do their live set at the end of the film gives them the courage to, to go that to last yeah. step out of the mine. Love it. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, <laughs> Spirit untamed. 
How about that one? There's some, there's some interesting ones here, aren't there? I originally went to think about horses because there's that film called Spirit mm. about horses, isn't there? Pixar well, it's a sequel movie. To Spirit, it's a Pixar yeah. movie. Spirit mm, okay. Untamed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's got to be about... Oh, is, oh, sorry. It is a sequel to... By the way, the original one is a sequel to the film Spirit about... Oh, is it actually? Uh, I just clicked on it to oh. find out. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, but you can but go we're your... thinking uh, Pixar, are Okay. We? Well, I want to go away from yeah, Pixar then. Pixar then. Animated. Yeah. I feel like it's a sort of, you know house built on burial grounds Ooh, oh God. horror, full horror. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah okay fair enough and it's to do with that you know is it like, the house. like paranormal activity kind of yeah low low budget yeah, yeah meets the yeah, ring yeah, yeah. meets yeah all that sort of stuff spirit untamed spirit untamed 2 spirit untamed 3 mm. you know yeah. and they all have ridiculous subtitles more they? untamed than before mm. yeah <laughs> and then number 5 is spirit tamed where everything's okay yes mm. yeah that's yeah. actually quite a good idea. And they use them to fight. That's what happens in the in Spirit Five. They harness them. Oh, interesting. Like there's, the end of Spirit Four a... will be like it would be like the I know Kung Fu moment, but like like the split eyes will open and they'll be like blue, and then then Spirit Five they use them to fight crime or something like that. Yeah. Big red envelope. It does sound like I'm making these up. I'm not. Is that a Chinese film by any chance? Because obviously they give red envelopes. Ah, in- that's an interesting uh, point. Uh, Lunar New Year, don't they? I'm going to read. Love it. Money. To that's be fair, exactly I should have. I should have been reading the synopses of these. The actual synopses of these. No, often, no, did no. It? this is great. Big red envelope. Big red envelope. A man hires an actress to join him in a fake marriage, so they can collect the money given to newlyweds as gifts during the wedding ceremony. Okay. So that's. So that's what the uh, the f- actual film is about. But our big red envelope. Uh, I think it's. Like that, like the. I think it's a Chinese film. They give the gifts. They give the gifts the red envelope to the kids, and these kids get a really massive one, and they get sucked inside of it. And it's like a story about them inside of this sort of world, but their grandparents told would always tell them about. Sort of like Big Fish. Yeah, it's so something to do with their grandparents' wedding mm-hmm. that they can witness from inside the envelope or some something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. They've been given a gift of work. memories. Yeah, and, and, and at the end, money, like, they got, couldn't I have had money because I wanted a switch? <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> I at the end you actually switch. you actually open the big red envelope and it's just them looking at all of their parents, oh, grandparents' wedding and photos, made this story and they're telling them together. the stories. That's yeah. lovely, and that's and that's the real richness, mm. it, you know, not just money. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the day we lit up the sky. Oh. Uh, that's of That's the that's the sequel to the darkness one that we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So they um, made it, did they? They were trying to make it, and they made it, and then this is their sequel. I think it's, I think it's a, a, a film where they, a film where rock band rock so hard they attract a meteor to the earth. Okay, that that's wicked. Or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or a band or rock like so those... hard they bring a meteor to the earth. That's wicked. Yeah. I like that. Or yeah. it's something like 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 one of those ones where the meteor is coming, so they just have like they put on like the biggest fucking rock concert All ever. Right. Let's have our cake and eat it because we might as well. They, the there is, there is a, there is a uh, meteor heading towards the Earth, and they have to knock it off course with another meteor that they can only call with the power of their rock. So it's like they've okay, got, I like right? It. There you go. And they've got to get all the right, the right drummer who can drum at the right frequency, yeah. who's got the best heel toe. That, um, that, that's a best video heel game toe action. I've ever heard one. Right? Somehow, like Ubisoft, will work that into one of their games, won't they? Yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, I've, we'll just do a couple more. I've got to throw this in there. Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway. 
I thought you might like that. Maybe what? Anne well, I mean, Hathaway. Is that just random words stuck together? No, mobile, mobile. <laughs> a lot of Japanese titles like are, are just a lot of words strung together. Yeah. Um, that's already that's already an existing. You, you said you took out F nine and stuff like that. Mobile Gundam is already. Well, I just an thought you franchise. might like to pitch me Mobile Suit Gundam colon Hathaway. I figured it had some sort of Anne Hathaway m- enraged by the. You know, like by the, the hopped up by on the fact that Shakespeare did better than her. It's a um, sequel to The Devil Wears Prada, where she turns the suits into yes. actual um, like yes. killing things. Yeah. Yes. You know, when they sort of make like 20% of the movie, they'll do like for the Chinese market, they'll shoot a Chinese scene and incorporate mm, it, right? Yeah. Which they actually did for like Iron Man 3, right? You'll have to Google it. So this is like an entire film made during the sequel Devil Wears Prada and then they just shoot an entire version of it for like a, a yeah. different market for the Japanese market yeah, it like, where her suits actually yeah, super tra- are, like Super Transformer turns mm. into the thing and then the first one the first one she makes as well she calls it Cerulean Blue which is a touchback to that whole fucking speech about the, the ugly blue sweater no, that she, she wears she uses it to chop Meryl Streep's head off yeah <laughs> yeah I love Meryl Obviously. Streep, but that would be worth watching, wouldn't it? Mm. Oh, it's of course it's got to be because Meryl would give it? it some serious beans as well as mm. her head was going. I, the one thing I'd like to see before I die, I think the one thing that the entire world needs to see and that we haven't seen yet is Meryl Streep in a robot suit. Anyway, right? absolutely, yeah. do you know absolutely. what I mean? Like just as default, yeah. let's put Meryl Streep in a robot suit if it's the last thing we do. Let's make this happen. If there's one yeah. thing that happens off Slash Streep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to throw in one more. It's a simple one. It's not particularly exciting, but this is what I like about it. This is what I like about some of these titles sometimes. It's just called Railway Heroes. Oh, what a damn mm. script to end on. Oh, what do you want? I thought, listen, it's not the title. We just had Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway. It's not the title. To... It's, the, it's the pitch. It's the idea. It's to you guys Railway... to, to define Hold on a minute. Railway not, Heroes. Right? No, okay. I've got it. 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 There is a stretch of like of railroad in america that's run by bandits and they basically need to like magnificent six on a running train and they're bringing like organs or some shit like that like important orphans and organs and support for the locals local um native americans right but they've got to run it through enemy territory so they are the railway heroes and it's all it's like it's it's the magnificent seven meets snowpiercer yeah that's a great pitch it is actually quite similar to the original idea as well by the way so that's pretty good. oh is it actually but if, this, if it's not good enough for dan then how about no, no i love that uh, sword art online progressive aria of a starless night see now we're talking now we're talking go on then go on dan you can take okay, this one so this is um when Battlestar Galactica meets um, uh, Star Wars, uh-huh. but it was directed in Korea. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> you just no 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 no. You can't just you can't just use words. To, That's literally what they did with that title. You just went literally what they did with that title. No 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 no. Sword Art Online. I know what that is. Right. I know what Sword I don't, Art Online is. I don't is. need to. I've just given you a pitch, <laughs> and it would sell. You just went franchises but Battlestar war Glass, so it's space. like yeah war in space massive war in space but korean that's it Done. you just said all you said was two things in a place dad that's all you said that's basically how most people pitch for a film that's it true after talking about aliens he literally did right go in and just put a dollar sign next to <laughs> and then walked out 
All legend. right. Do you want one more? Yeah. Let's well, do one. one one that maybe str- has the sort of straddles the line of it's not it's not too sort of innocuous and it's not too outlandish. Yeah. Um, we're going to go with on your mark. See, that's great. Oh, that's that's yeah, a slash. That's okay. A slash yeah, dollar. you're right. You're right. Oh, it's a good I've one. got it. I can't. Oh, this is going to be rad. The um, sprinter at the Olympics in the Germany Olympics. Oh, they were, no, they already did a film about him, didn't they? With um, maybe it, it should Jesse... be. It should be like a sequel. It should be like Run Lola Run. It should be like a real something in real time. Like a sprinter has been given ninety minutes to deliver something from here to here, or his girlfriend is killed. Right. So he's got to go from across like the entire of London or the entire of like, right. can he do it? And yeah, all link, yeah. as he's running and as he's going through these different areas of, of, of the city, wherever mm-hmm. it is, London, New York, he's flashing back to moments that, that brought him to that point. That's brilliant. Both personally That's and professionally. So like and speed. can he break his record? He's so got like to break speed, his record. But on foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's I actually like that, that idea. As long as oh, as long as the per, the part of Mark, because obviously the lead's got to be called Mark as well. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Of he's course. played by Keanu Reeves. Oh, that would be good. He's too. He, oh, okay, then you write it like yeah. he's over the hill. Yeah. He never got to break his record when he first did it. Yeah. And why did he not break his record? Exactly. What was he struggling with at the time? Can he break his record now yeah. as an older man? And at yeah. the end, the person that's got the bomb strapped to them is Sandra Bullock. <laughs> So it's like like a bit like um uh oh what's it called uh, split so it's a little bit like a stealth sequel a split yeah. is like a sequel to Unbreakable this yeah. is a stealth sequel to You've Speed. You've used the phrase stealth secret about fifty times in this episode. To be fair, it is a it is an episode about sequels. So fair, uh, yeah, <laughs> fair Also, I, on your I was going to talk about um, Jesse Owens mm. winning the um at the olympics in germany yeah. in 1936 but there's already a film about that and it's called race right brilliant it's not as which good is, as the title which is that's a, cla- no, that's much, a classic much much like, that's a classic slash very you. good that is um right well i'm off to write uh on your mark it's the, a great the film. next big blockbuster yeah um somehow i still feel like it should be joseph gordon levitt as well somehow in a, he can be the person part. that did the strap the bomb he's the one having yeah. the conversation because it's also a little bit like phone booth so he's he's on his he's on his headphones as well. Yeah. Bluetooth headphones and he's having a conversation with him all the way through. And he looked up to him the whole time as like, you yeah, know, maybe. as he was going through his trials for yeah. like the Olympics or whatever, he looked up to this guy, to this Keanu Reeves character. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And then yeah, you have him in his ear yeah. and you've got like it's a little bit like He followed his oh. training regime and it caused him to like pull a muscle or something. Um and he's <laughs> like a twist his knee and he's never yeah. been able to recover since. So he's gonna take away everything that Keanu holds dear as well. Yeah. That's good, See how it? good his training really is. Yeah. How should it end though? That's the thing. How does it end? It can't I mean I I don't I I sort of I thought I think the end of phone booth was all right. Why don't you write it? It also reminds me of it remind Oh, thank you very much. That's that's a good idea. It reminds me of the film Locke as well, you know, like mm. you sort of with Tom Hardy, you sort of you, you, although there's movement involved as well. You're sort of confronting lots of different, so maybe you, there's conversations about can you talk to me and keep your breathing? Can you still keep yeah. up that pace and keep a conversation with me? Stuff like that. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. All right. I'll write it. Uh, see you later. You guys will have to slash it for a year. That could be one of our wild cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if, you, if anyone at home, if you're listening to this, uh, if you've got any ideas for On Your Mark, um, which now we'll have to call something else uh because this is already a film title um then just give it to us for free and we will steal it and use it and not credit you that's all right isn't it 
Um, but if you do want to tell us about some of your own ideas, if you want to come on the podcast, if you want to let us know about other uh, directors, uh, writers, we did. Do you know what? We didn't touch on actors either. So like, um, you know, Laurie Strode having sort of the, the actor, you know, um, from Halloween come back. Mm. You know, so you sort of have um, you have that aspect of of the of revisiting terminator you know barney coming back to terminator if there's anyone if there's any other things um at home that they that the peeps want to let us know about what can they do right you can just google slash dupe and you'll be able to hit up all of our socials but most of them are just at slash dupe you can find that on facebook instagram twitter patreon reddit uh but yeah we've we've beaten the algorithms um actually not a lot of people can say that they have done and you can well, they can if they there. have a title that you cannot tell people without telling them how to spell it and then having to explain what it is so you can beat the algorithm as well if you name your podcast something that is almost unintelligible yeah but like you know there's a lot of really weird ones out there like my three cats and a 50 foot skyscraper i suppose that is that's brilliant i've remembered i'll remember that for the rest of the year yeah, that's true. But then, you know, that's also like people going to like, what? Title. How many cats? How many squats? How big is a skyscraper? Three, 50 foot. Um, yeah, I'll see. Yeah, I mean, I just said it though, but I'll ask it tomorrow, Dan, to see if you remember. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm gonna put, but I mean, yeah, there's two words. Cat, I've got to tell people that thing. Yeah. No, see, it's, it's not enough. You need your keywords to, I just get, so, there's lots slash, of pictures of cats and skyscrapers. Yeah. Slash, like the guitarist, dupe. <laughs> Like the like someone's ability in Overwatch, that like, that's well, lost on me. Yeah, I keep wanting to say slash like the guitarist and and dupe like the cologne people used to wear in the nineties in the late nineties. What a touch but, point but for that's, everyone! That's, that's just goes to show you, doesn't it? I know that's, it's not even spelt the same way, isn't it? No. Um, but yes, you can find us on slash, slash like the guitarist, dupe like duplicate, and you can there find you us anywhere, and you can listen to us where all good podcasts are available. So, um, thank you, both of you. It's been a lot of fun. We're we're gonna uh, we wish everybody a happy new year. Happy, happy new year to year. you too. Happy new everyone. Happy twenty twenty two. New year, but just before we go, new, new film related New Year's resolutions. Remember, we are a film pitching podcast. To watch one. <laughs> Yeah, to enough. actually watch Bahoogly. Watch Blade Runner you haven't watched but what? And that's where, that's where you're going to cut the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched Bahoogly yet, mate. Yeah. There you go. That would be, be my 2022 no, I would like to film. go to the cinema more in 2022. I went to go and see Dune recently and I realised that's probably... I think it's probably only the third time I've been to the cinema this year. Mm. So I'd like to go a little bit more. I can't remember what the other two are. I, I do remember going to the cinema. <laughs> oh, one was Did you see Bond brother. in the end? The yes, Bond. And I went right. with my brother to see, it must have been a... A, a, a Marvel. A, um, a Marvel. Black Widow? Did you see Black Widow in the cinema? No. no. Oh, maybe COVID, you, right? maybe it was last year. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yours anyway. Was, well, yours was to watch Bahubali, was it, Ryan? Yeah. Well, sure, Sean. Yeah, to write on your mark. Yeah, do you know what it might be? I love, I love write, Once you finish writing the treatment to something, um, then it's then the hard work begins. So, so the most fun is to write the treatment. So I guess a first draft, a New Year's resolution to write a first draft of On Your Mark or whatever it ends up being called now. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be to write a first draft. Writing a treatment's easy. It's all the fun bits. Yeah. Um, I guess that would be it. That would be it. I, I, we work a lot on lots of other projects. You know, we've got Blood and Song on a Monday. We've got, um, I'm doing some stuff for video games, but it would be 
to sort of, and I'm doing a lot of spreading lots of stuff over lots of different, as every writer knows, is like 40% done on about 100 things. And it would just be to get a couple of them over the edge to 100% is what I suppose would be my film-related um, New Year's resolution. Hmm. Um, and people at home can let us know what theirs uh, are as well on our socials. Uh, a sort of film-related New Year's resolution for you, what would that be? I'm looking at you, Taj. You're the guy. <laughs> <laughs>